Blog Talk Radio. Here we go again. Time for another parents panel here on Parenting Your Challenging Child. Dr. Ross Green coming to you from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, where it is a beautiful day today, um, Monday, December 3rd, 2012. Glad you've decided to join in today. As I mentioned, today is a parents panel day, always a blast. When we have Susie and Kathy on to talk about um, their experiences with their behaviorally challenging kids and where they impart words of wisdom um, because they've been there and they've done that. And um, great. Now, we may have a caller already, but I'm going to ask the caller to hold on briefly. Uh, I now have Susie on the line. Oh, hold on. I don't have Susie on the line. The thing didn't work. Let's see if it works now. Uh, oh, it's taking its time. And I think we have Kathy on the line now, too. Kathy's on. Kathy, you there? I'm here. How are you today? I'm doing well. Having a, um, a challenging we, week, but okay. You've had a challenging week. We'll have to hear about that. And Susie, you're on, too. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Dr. Green. How are you? I am good. Good um, I always start the Parents Panel Program, which, as you both know, is my favorite program of the month. Not that I don't like the others, of course. Um, By asking you both if you have anything you want to start the program with. And I've communicated with Susie a bit by email, so I have a feeling I might know what she's going to start the program with. But why don't we, Kathy, if it's okay with you, let's see what Susie has on her mind today. Um, Susie, what you got on your mind today? Well, I thought it was great when you brought up a few weeks ago um, about holidays and challenging children. So um, at that time, it got me to thinking um, about our family's experiences. Um, I actually spent a bit of time thinking about this. So I think... Well, first of all, I just have to um, say that we were lucky enough to attend the conference in November, the annual Life in the Balance conference, and it was just so informative and exciting and helpful. It was my idea of Plan B Heaven, and, <laughs> you know, we had a wonderful opportunity to meet some people, including our Kathy, which was great, and... um I think you said if you didn't have a chance to attend the video, we'll be on the website in a few weeks. Uh, and, and it's a few weeks from now. Yeah, and then there's always next year. But Next year's um, conference, we're already planning it, believe it or not. But number one, it's good to know that there is a Plan B Heaven because other things in life are less certain than that. <laughs> That's always good right. to know. Yep. All right, so... I think it's important to be responsive to the hand you've been dealt, especially with the holidays. 
accept that your family is different, and so will, will your holidays. Prioritize, just as we do in Plan B. Figure out what's really important. Pick two or three goals that you'd like to accomplish. I'm sorry, accomplish. Pick two or three problems that you'd like to focus on and solve. Keep life simple. In our family's case, it was one unsolved problem, one goal that we could work on at a time because that was the only thing my son could handle. My idea of a good holiday was if we made it through without some law enforcement agency being called to our home. There was a memorable time the day before Thanksgiving a few years ago when Child Protective Services came to our home. Someone had reported to them that we as parents were not taking our son's smoking pot seriously enough. After about 15 minutes of meeting us and hearing that we were taking our son long distance to his doctors on an almost weekly basis, they were convinced that we were trying to do right by our son and left. Of course, explaining this to our eight-year-old daughter why Child Protective Services came to our house was an entirely different matter. It turned out that the overreactive adult that complained was my mother. I can't make this stuff up. Life? No, you couldn't, could you? No. Life doesn't go perfectly with regular kids. Challenging children bring this to an entirely different level. Try not to fight it. Try to take a look as an opportunity to improve your own skills in the areas of flexibility, adaptability, frustration tolerance, and problem solving. I don't mean this to sound silly, but give your child the greatest gift of all, understanding and the time to do plan B. I have a little bit more to say, but I don't want to, you know, take up too much time. I think you're doing fine. What What's a little more you want to okay. say? All right. Well, just to remind people that it's a developmental delay and the child is lacking certain skills. And this is where your philosophy that children do well if they can is so important. If the child had a reading problem, punishing the child wouldn't resolve the problem. Figuring out together what help is needed will get the job done. I also think it's a good idea for children to volunteer to see how much they have and to see those who need extra assistance. If they're young, you could take them to a food pantry. If they're older and they have a certain interest, channel that energy into that particular activity. In our case, my 10-year-old son loves soccer. I found a soccer program that gave parents an hour break while people volunteered to help their physically and mentally disabled children. You couldn't tell on the outside, but on the inside, our son was just as disabled as the other children. But it does the kid good to give them themselves. Actually, I joined in too, and it was a wonderful activity that we could participate in together. We ended up doing this for eight years. This is really important. Take care of yourself. Similar to if there's a problem on an airplane, you put the oxygen mask on first and then you take care of your child. 
when you have a challenging child, you're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are not restorative weekends, holidays, or family time. You have a lot on your plate. If you don't take care of yourself, life can easily fall apart. I used to have a babysitter come to our home just to go upstairs with a cup of tea and read for an hour once or twice a week. If that doesn't work, you could also ask a friend, relative, or neighbor to help you out and give you a much-deserved break. Be proactive like you already are in Plan B. Know what relatives and or friends that you'll be dealing with ahead of time and prepare. In our family, a certain relative felt compelled to offer unsolicited advice. Think about this ahead of time, and when it's time for him or her to add their two cents, you can just say to yourself, oh, well, that's them piping in again. But you make the choice of whether or not you choose to heed their advice. There might, however, be a grain of experience and wisdom mixed in. Realize that you all want what's best for the child, but there may be some bruised relationships along the way. You do what you have to do. I know this situation of muddling through your family's problems is hard. Having problems in living for the child is not his idea of a good time either. It's a humbling experience. These kids make you say and do bad things. If a situation doesn't go as expected, remember, mistakes are what you make on the way to getting things right, our therapist coached me. I believe you learn even more when things don't go so well. Remember humor. Recognize that the sensory-sensitive child won't be able to tolerate the beautiful scratchy wool dress or pants. Try to keep life as relaxed as possible. If the caregivers remain calm and patient, it helps set the tone. Try to keep to the child's schedule. Include daily physical activities. Good thing you have your philosophy. Children do well if they can, and you have the right lenses on. Do not spoiling the child by taking all the variables into consideration when planning your family's holidays. You're trying your best to understand your child and what's getting in the way and what they need. That's not spoiling or spending too much time thinking about that child. You're being smart. That's time well spent. Again, you're being proactive. Try not to get discouraged. These problems didn't happen overnight and they won't get fixed in a day. Do the three steps of plan B. The first time working it out is only a beginning. This usually leads to two or three more plan B discussions to fully resolve the chronic unsolved problem. Make sure you teach your children well from the explosive child. Take 15 minutes a day with your challenging child and do plan B. And once and for all, start solving problems that reliably and predictably set in motion challenging behavior. I'm here to tell you from my own personal experience, it's not perfect, but it does get better. Words of wisdom, Susie. Kathy, anything to add to all of that? Susie, you've covered 
quite a few of the unsolved problems that can come up during the holidays. When you were talking about the holidays, it made me remember to make sure that we do the things that um, our kids can do. And for me, um, decorating and making cookies is always a favorite. Um, So we, we spend a lot of time on that in our house because it's universally enjoyed. Um, and cutting them out, decorating. Uh, another thing is decorating the tree. Um, that's really important. So I try to focus on those things rather than worry about whether my son's wearing track pants. You know, on a, on a you know supposedly a dress-up kind of day, because it isn't worth trying to get him into something else. It's just not worth the the trouble. Mm-hmm. Is that the main thing the holidays do? Is they take us out of the norm that we have settled into with a behaviorally challenging kid because now we're dealing with family members who have certain expectations and we have the holidays aren't normal the holidays aren't sort of life the way it usually is and we start having a bunch of expectations thrown in that aren't normally there I find that's probably the hardest thing about the holidays is um people who have a behaviorally challenging kid find that they now have to balance not only the difficulties that their child brings to the table, but also the fact that relatives have certain expectations about how the holidays are going to go, and those relatives are not always especially clued in to the fact that um, we have a behaviorally challenging kid who can't meet those expectations. Uh, Is that the biggest issue? It's hard. I mean, even just take something like a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, Here's all this food that only the adults really like, and you're asking kids to eat it and to sit at the table longer, and that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, it, it didn't go as well as I had hoped this year, but we did make a plan asking for a certain amount of time, and I made some pasta for my son because he didn't want to deal with the whole turkey thing so tried to provide something that he would eat and then we had a lot of conversation around um, their favorite computer game so that you know we try to make it something that would be interesting to them rather than the sit around endless dinner table kind of thing which would be hard go ahead Susie I think that that's an interesting way of looking at holidays, that they aren't normal. And, yeah, I would agree that the expectations that one has, um, the, you know, we're, we're bombarded with advertising and television shows that depict these perfect families with um, perfect holiday dinners and, and settings, um, I, I it just, it makes it so incredibly difficult because life with a challenging child, you're just trying to keep your head above water. You know, there's just not a lot of extra time or energy if your son is exploding six times a day. You're, you're just trying to, very hard to, help the child and um, 
meet the basic needs of your family. So, Kathy, you handled the turkey issue by making pasta. Yeah, I figured it was easier. What what did it matter to me if we had another side dish on the table? It really didn't. It's easier than worrying about whether it's... And is that a conversation you had with your son, or is that something that you just figured, you know what, we're going to... I just figured, because he mentioned that he wasn't going to be eating turkey, and I thought, well, hmm, what is there on the table that he can eat, that he likes? Because his idea was to have... I think five different pies was going to be for for the entire day, and I wasn't really okay with that. So mm-hmm. you know, I was okay with some overindulgence, but not the whole day. So I thought, well, why don't I just make him one of his regular dinners and not worry about it? Is it worth? Does it really matter whether he eats turkey or not? It doesn't really matter to me. You know, it's, it's Good just not you. worth fighting over that. Just put the regular mm-hmm. food on, then he ate a normal plate, and, you know, we weren't fussing over. He didn't like the unfamiliar stuff, you know. He just had what he normally has. and You know, you're able to stay at the table a little longer if you go with that. Yeah, for sure. And, of course, um, th- that's that's actually plan C. That's you saying, and I'll, I'll be real explicit about this, it's you saying... Um, I don't really care if my son eats turkey during Thanksgiving, so it's not an unsolved problem that I actually even want to work on right now. He'll have pasta. I don't really care if my son gets dressed up the way people sometimes do for Thanksgiving. He can wear the pants he's comfortable in. Those are plan C. Those are just being removed. Um, If you had decided that you cared about deeply about him eating turkey, Hard to imagine, but I suppose anything's possible. I'm always fascinated by the things parents feel very strongly about. Or if you had felt strongly, and this might be more plausible, about him being dressed up, or perhaps more likely, and here's, you know, this this might make more sense. You might not care if he's turkey, but um, Aunt, Aunt uh, Sally might be insulted if he doesn't eat her turkey because it's her specialty. Now maybe solving the problem collaboratively might make more sense. You might not care if he gets dressed up for Thanksgiving, but uh, Grandpa Joe, who has very strong feelings about what everybody's supposed to look like around the Thanksgiving table, um, does. Um, you know, you've got a few options there. You're either talking to Grandpa Joe or you're doing Plan B, which is to try to solve the problem collaboratively with your son. Just wanted to make it clear that not everything is necessarily going to be plan C. Some things could be plan B. Although I must say, if I was working with a family and they had really strong feelings about their child eating turkey, it's probably something I would try to talk with them about to find out why they felt so strongly about turkey and perhaps even whether talking with a family member who takes great pride in turkey might make more sense than doing plan B over turkey eating. But these are the sorts of decisions and the sort of thinking that goes into the model and deciding, is this a problem that we actually have decided we're going to solve, or is this one that we are just going to let go? What other, see, to me, a lot of parents are behaviorally challenging kids. One of the reasons the holidays are so difficult is because there is a slight temptation, if not a great temptation, to let the concerns of other people, especially family members, trump 
the concerns of their behaviorally challenging child, um, ho- hoping against hope that their child will be able to make it through those expectations that they're reasonably certain their child can't actually meet. Sounds to me like the recipe not for a wonderful Thanksgiving or holiday meal, but the recipe for a disaster. Do, do you both find yourselves in that position, trying to sort of balance out family members' needs and concerns with the needs and concerns of your behaviorally challenging child? Well, I find I, that I'm pretty oh, fortunate. I'm Go ahead, I, I find that I'm pretty fortunate on my side. Um, they seem to get it. On my uh, husband's side, the family is a little more formal, and somehow the kids rise to that occasion and ask to be excused when they leave the table and do a little bit more on the manner side than they would normally. They seem to sort of get that that helps smooth the way. And the other thing that we did for Thanksgiving is we invited a mother and her behaviorally challenged kid for Thanksgiving, figuring, you know, they've seen it all, and we can laugh about whatever comes out of it. And it was just easier to to say, well, they can do their computer time after the dinner, and we're not going to worry about it, and we're not going to worry about expectations. And that mother said, I don't think my son can sit at the table, and not a problem. And he didn't, not for very long. So, we, you know, we tried to control it in that sense and make it something that was fun for the kids rather than just an obligation to get through. What a terrific idea, Kathy. Thank you. <sighs> it's great. Susie, um, it sounds like you've dealt with expectations of family members. Yes. Being I, incongruent with what your kids could actually do. Yes. Um, I'm afraid, in our case, uh, things didn't go so well. And... Um, we had many messy holidays um, resulting in a lot of disagreements and hurt feelings. Um, you know, I I say to be proactive and think about the family members or friends who you're dealing with ahead of time. But that having been said, while you're actually going through it, It's very difficult, and there isn't a whole lot of time to explain why you're doing what for your particular child. Um, And other people just feel like they know what's best for your kid and do not hesitate to um, express that opinion. So, unfortunately... Uh, our holidays were um, not so positive for a very long time. Too bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a shame that given the two different directions that that could go in, family members being a little more understanding of the hand that you were dealt so that holidays could go well, but holidays instead not going well because that didn't happen. What a shame. Yeah. We have a caller. 
I want to let the parents panel know we have a caller. You guys ready to take on a question? Sure. Yeah, sounds good. Whether it's related to the holidays or not, we're about to find out. But uh, and and I'm, I think that this is uh, somebody who has a question. Area code six two zero. You're on the air with the parents panel. How are you today? Doing great. Good morning. Good morning. What's on your I, mind today? I have a comment and I have a question. Let's hear both. I have an explosive nine-year-old child. Um, Dr. Green, you actually answered my online email question um, in last week's show, and thank you so much for that. I'm you very bet. new That's to the. Oh, thanks. I'm very new to the Plan B approach, but so far um, it has worked beautifully. And for the first time in many years, my husband and I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And um, there's some there's some hard work in that tunnel, but I'm glad you're seeing the light at the end of it. Yes, and that's that's the great reminder. Um, hearing the the mothers on the panel talk today that. It's going to have ups and it's going to have downs, and the important thing is that we just keep on the the path forward, um, positively approaching him instead of knee-jerking and freaking out every time something happens. Um, our My comment about uh, Thanksgiving um, is that um, for, for many years, um, even as a child, I completely rebelled personally against having to get dressed up and sit for hours and hours at tables and act a certain required way. And so even before I realized that I had an explosive child, I was already, any time that we had the opportunity here at home to have a relaxed um, meal, setting that up. For example, um, Thanksgiving this year was here at home for us without any family, unfortunately, or friends coming over at one of the first times that it's just been us. And I made the rule that if you didn't want to get out of pajamas for the day, that was your choice. And that set up a whole day to be nice and relaxed. And my explosive son, I um, asked him to be responsible for the table decorations. And he took the job beautifully, um, felt excited to be involved in that, decorated the table like Mario Brothers. Um, and little brother got into the fun and added some Marvel superhero sort of characters. I got into it and baked a couple of dishes that were in those themes. Um, instead of brownies for dessert, I made red velvet brownies and called them Mario brownies because Mario being red. Uh-huh. And I added... Um, thin licorice strips on top of the cranberry sauce and made it look like spider web. So I had Spider-Man cranberry sauce. Um, and if that's the kind of, uh, of um, flexibility that I need to have in order to have my kids sit at the table and enjoy Thanksgiving, so be it. I was so happy, and they were so happy. And really, those are the only alterations that I made to the traditional meal. And it felt so good. Um, and he, they both just came right along. And my my typically very complaining, I don't want to eat this, I don't want to eat that, he ate that, almost everything on his plate. Um, and I feel like, you know, if I hadn't started Plan B, 
just a few weeks ago, I don't think that I would have been able to have approached this this way. So thank you. That's so, my Susie, comment. Susie, Kathy, any comments? Uh, and I have a question for you. So don't get off too quick. I have a question for you. But Susie, Kathy, any comments? Yeah, actually I do. I just wanted to tell the mom who's calling that it's so great that you recognize that you have a your family has a problem and that you're trying to do plan B now before the maladaptive behavior, you know, is so ingrained. You have this wonderful window of opportunity to talk to your child and um lay this nice foundation so um, in a few years, not to be negative, but in a few years when parents can be embarrassing or annoying, uh, it, it's a bit more challenging to to have conversations with them. Oh, I so still see the writing on the wall. Yeah. Kathy, any thoughts? Well, I thought it was great and very respectful of both kids to let them have a part in the decorating and let it be a Mario Thanksgiving because it gives the holiday meaning for them rather than relying on some sort of traditional way of looking at it. I I just think that gave them a role and something to do that gave them some ownership. And then by doing that, you, you kind of cut down on the chances that they're going to melt down at the dinner because they created part of it and were given free reign. So right. that's, that's just very respectful of them to do that. I think that's great. Well, this is the new, new insight tradition. that I... I'm, yeah, this is the insight that I feel I've gained from the strategy is that um, I, I am respecting what I hear, especially from my nine-year-old. And before, I can't believe how how many times I just stepped right over whatever he was trying to tell me, where now I'm taking a step back and really taking the time to hear him. And I guess here's my interesting, this is not the question I was going to ask, but for all three of you, why would you not do that? I mean, one one of the best videos that we showed at the second annual Lives in the Balance conference was of a, and this will be up on the website soon, was of a teacher who's been doing, who did Plan B with a student of hers, and um, boy, did she do an incredible job with him. She took him from really bad to really good over the course of a school year, and she's looking in the camera and saying, why would you not do this? So, But let me ask the three of you that. Why would you not do this? Let's let's start with our caller. Why would you not do this? What 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 trepidation did you have, if any, about doing this? I don't know. I, and you know, the interesting thing is, right after my husband started reading the Explosive Child, when I shared it with him, he came up to me and said, "I can't believe this is so common sense. This is so straightforward. How did the two of us, educated adults, not just know to do this instinctively?" and 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 so then we just kind of moved on from that very quickly and and uh we're we're certainly taking this on into our relationships with colleagues and coworkers and students and yeah this just makes perfect sense why would you not just stop and listen to the person 
that you're either in conflict with or just standing next to. Why not? It's so straightforward. But my goodness, when you're not in the habit of that, how difficult it is to remember to stop, listen, say back what you're hearing. Kathy, why not? Why not do this? I think people have trouble letting go of the fact that the child isn't being difficult on purpose. I think people really... I'm having some issues at school right now, and I think people think it's within the child's control or that they need to show what the answer is or that the teacher should. So I, I think people have trouble letting go or or, or giving the child an, uh, an equal place at the table. Susie, why not do this? Um, I think because... Sometimes we just might not know any better. It might not be instinctive. And that's what's so great about Plan B, that it it gives you a logical framework to work off of. It gives you a language um, to communicate with your child. It, you know, offers reassurance and that the child's not in trouble. Um I just think, unfortunately, conventional wisdom has been around for so long and that's the way um, our significant other or ourselves were raised and we just didn't know anything different. You know, I've often wondered about what's instinctive and what's driven by parental philosophy or societal mm-hmm. philosophy, I think that, um, yes, a lot of people don't know that there's a different way. And so for those people, um, providing them with a different way is all they need. Other people still have some interesting notions about what the kid is up to and how they need to respond to the child to prove to him that he's not going to get his way, he's not in control he doesn't have the power. And there's another possibility. I think a lot of people do instinct, uh, do power parenting, power and control parenting rather instinctively. Mm-hmm. Because I think as humans, we all want what we want. And mm-hmm. with a kid who's smaller and younger and presumably not as sophisticated or smart, not as quick on their feet, for some, and the truth is, for quite some time in world history, we've been getting away with simply telling kids what to do. Not always necessarily giving thought to the downside of doing things that way. But I find that human nature is kind of to want what you want, unless when you were a kid, you had what you wanted obscured by parents who were very powerful in wanting what they wanted, therefore depriving you of even any sense of what you wanted because they kind of took it away from you. But now to the main point, I think a lot of people just instinctively want their way, but then justify their actions, the things that they're doing to show that they just want their way. They justify their actions with a philosophy, but it's actually the philosophy that comes second, not first. Um, yeah, of course I sent him 
to his room. Now, why did I do that? I, I'm not going to let him show that he <laughs> thinks he's the boss. Now, were they thinking that before they sent the kid to the room, or was it just their instinctive reaction to a problem that had arisen between themselves and their kid, and now they were justifying it after the fact? I think we humans justify our actions after the fact far more often than we like to acknowledge but I'd like to throw that potential explanation into the hopper as well. The the power and control parenting piece isn't philosophical initially. It's just instinct, and then people are justifying their actions with a philosophy. What do you all think? I completely agree. I completely agree on this. And actually, this topic segues nicely into my question. May I ask my question? Absolutely, but let me thank our caller for calling in. Caller, you're you're welcome to stay on the program uh, for the last nine minutes here. But uh, oh, no, was that the caller or was that Kathy? Yes, no, that was the caller. The caller. That's the caller. <laughs> then definitely stay on the line. Okay. Question. Sorry, your voice sounds a little like Kathy. I apologize. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, my son's main unsolved problem is he. Um, his maladaptive behavior is of physical aggression um, when he does not get his way, whether that is um, a choice of what to do, um, uh, going, for instance, a couple of weeks ago we were going into a store and I said, please hold the door open so that the, so that I can go in. I'm, I'm a lady and you're going to hold the door open for me and boom, he wanted to go in first and he just kaboomed um, with with something like that. And sometimes the, the fuse is short and sometimes it's not, but it always comes down to when he does not get his way, there is a really great chance of a huge explosion. And so my question is, with something that's that broad, when the child does not get his way, he explodes. And it's usually a, a physical aggression sort of explosion. How do we use plan B proactively? Well, the uh, I'm going to take into account that you are fairly new to the model. Very much so. So there are still situations, and this, this may always be the case, by the way, but we want to minimize them, in which you are unable to anticipate as well as we might like the things that your son is going to get upset about before he gets upset about them. Now, those should dramatically diminish over time because you really don't want to find yourself in the heat of the moment. The key word here is proactive, and it sounds like you're on top of that already. But because you're new to the model, you may not yet have the perfect sense. There is no perfect sense, but you may not have the best sense of the specific conditions in which your son is likely to get that upset. One thing I will say, now you know, what I've always said is the first time, the absolute first time your son wants to go in before you and you wanted him to hold the door, that's a surprise. But it's not a surprise the next time it happens. Now it's predictable. So it's unpredictable until the first time it happens. But after it happens once, it's not unpredictable anymore. Now you have some decisions to make. So what that mostly says is 
on the unpredictable ones, on the surprises. You you muddle through them in the heat of the moment, quite frankly, mostly by making a decision about whether you want to use B or C in the heat of the moment, and that's the call you're making very quick on your feet in the heat of the moment. But the whole movement toward being proactive that has taken place in this model over the last whatever number of years has been oriented toward helping you not have to be really quick on your feet, and that's not a slight against people. It's saying that dealing with unsolved problems in the heat of the moment is really, really hard, especially since those unsolved problems tend to be highly predictable in the first place. So the best thing we can say about him wanting to go in without holding the door for you is that it's not a surprise anymore, and now we've got to do something with it. We've got to decide, is that one of our high priorities, given the long list of things we could be working on with your son, the long list of unsolved problems we could be trying to solve, is this one we feel really strongly about? If we do, compare uh, relative to all the rest, by the way, mm-hmm. if we feel really strongly about it, well, first of all, if I was working with you, I would probably try to talk you out of that because I'm thinking you probably have bigger fish to fry. Yes. If, if, if you felt really strongly about it, then that would end up being one of the high-priority problems you'd be working on with Plan B proactively because it's not a surprise anymore. If you decided, you know what, I have much bigger fish to fry, I have a bunch of other stuff I'd rather be working on with my son than that, then at least at this point in his development, we are not going to be working with him on holding the door for ladies. We'll get to that later. When will we get to it? We'll get to it when we've solved a bunch of the other higher priority unsolved problems that we think are more important. Right. That help? Yes. What do you do in the heat of the moment? You muddle through. You're trying to decide in the heat of the moment, B or C, if I was working with you and you asked my advice for what you should have done in the heat of that moment, it would have been C. Okay. Right. I got myself there eventually, but it, I knee-jerked and, <laughs> and tried to have a conversation with him while he was very upset, and it didn't go so well. But then learned. I just thought, you know what, this isn't that big of a deal. You know, well, and just just try to remember how well he responds, and that's to say not so well, in the heat of the moment the next time you are thinking of heat of the moment. Right. And it'll it'll probably guide you. Susie, Kathy, anything to add to that? Yeah, I would I would agree just probably at that point, as hard as it is, it's best to let it drop because you really aren't going to solve anything at that time. He's not available to learn. Right. And, and he's, oh, he's not thinking about you and what it's like to have a door, you know, slam in your face when you're trying to go through. Susie? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, in the explosive child, you um, help us understand what it's like from the kid's point of view in the heat of the moment. And I think you say something about, think about the last time that you were sleeping and how much learning takes place. Um, And just trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes, I think adds some patience and insight to the situation. And of course, incredibly difficult to do in the heat of the moment. 
which is why to our caller, let's make sure that we make a list of unsolved problems so that we can make some decisions about what we're working on right now and what we're not um, so we can plan for these things either with B or C ahead of time. And that, quite frankly, is the way that I have found is the most effective way to stay out of the heat of the moment if you possibly can. Great. Good? Thank you. Thanks to our caller. Thank you for calling in. And I'm sorry to say, well, not sorry to thank you, but I'm sorry to say um, thanks to our parents panel as well because we're done for today. We are out of time. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks to those of you who've been listening in to today's program. I hope you have found it to be and um, helpful. I just cut myself off there for a second. And we'll be back next week with another Parenting Your Challenging Child. Till then, take care. Thanks, Dr. Green. Thank you.